Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Welcome to the High Energy Health Podcast. My name is Amanda Wonderland, and I'm a clinical EFT and energy psychology practitioner. It is my absolute honor to be guest hosting this podcast for Dr. Dawson Church. And I'm so excited about today's show as we'll be discussing a topic very near and dear to my heart, and I'm confident that you, dear listeners, will also appreciate the content as it affects each and every one of us regardless of our age or parental status. So let's all prepare ourselves with some high-energy intentions to learn and grow together as we learn more about how to use EFT for children's social and emotional development. My guest today is Katie Michelson, who is also a clinical EFT practitioner and a cherished colleague of mine at EFT Universe. Her specialties include supporting children who are experiencing stress, worry, and anxiety related to home, school, and community activities, supporting children who have special needs along with their parents and siblings, and also supporting military members and veterans who have symptoms of PTSD and physical pain related to war injuries. Katie also supports military family members, including spouses, children, adult children, and parents of service members to address feelings of stress, worry, and anxiety related to past, present, and future deployment. She holds a master's degree in special education and has 15 years' experience teaching special education. Katie also provides in-home support to family members of deployed military service members. And I'm so excited to welcome you onto the show today. Katie, welcome. Amanda, it's always an honor to share conversation and healing space with you. Oh, thank you. So happy to have you here. So before we get started in learning more about children's social and emotional development, I would love for you to just share a bit more about your personal journey with the audience. What led you to learn more about EFT and to become certified as a practitioner? And especially what led you to be called to serve these specific populations? Absolutely. Well, my passion is definitely in working with children. I knew that always was going to be a part of my experience. My professional background is in the area of deaf and hard of hearing education. So as an educator, I felt some serious anxiety and worry, not only for my students and my ability to meet their needs, but as the years and the time went on, I also realized that I had some things that I needed to address for myself as well. All right, Katie. So as you were saying, you noticed that there were some certain things that you needed to work on in yourself. Yes. So I was working in a rural community at the time, and I was working for seven different school districts with multiple buildings. I was working with birth to 12th through 12th grade. I was working in daycares and homes, and I 
was out of balance, and I knew this. And that's really how I came upon EFT. I had noticed on a TV show, Elon Musk, my life, she was doing a strategy with the people that she was serving, and they were tapping on their bodies. And I thought, I Googled, what is this tapping? And I was led to the tappingsolution.com, and that's really where I found out more about EFT and how I could use it. And it made a huge difference for me and helping through my daily life and transitions and all of the chaos of trying to balance my career. So a few years ago, I did take a leave of absence from being an educator, and I was able to move in with a family that needed some additional support, a lifetime long and dear friend of mine. And during that time, I decided to become the student, and I started the process of becoming a certified EFT practitioner. Amazing. Amazing. So you started out with some serious anxiety and worry and were just looking for your own type of support and EST was able to provide that for you. That's a really wonderful and inspiring story and testimonial for other people who might also be experiencing anxiety and worry. And that brings me to kids, which is what we're here to really learn about our children and adolescents in the world today, especially post-pandemic and especially being inundated with so much technology and absorbing so much adults' own stress and anxiety in addition to their own. And so I'm really curious for you to just give us some definitions about what social and emotional learning actually is and also executive functioning skills. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. So when we talk about social emotional development, we're really looking at kids being able to be aware of who they are and what they're feeling. And when we have that awareness, that helps us to not only understand ourselves, but to understand others as well. And because of that, we can build some more positive and healthy relationships. We think about executive functioning. We think about ideas like self-control. How can we manage our emotions? The ability to pay attention even if there's distractions around us, which we know in a classroom, we have a lot of other littles around that can be distractions. So how, what ability do we have to continue to really focus on that learning? Can we remember instructions and directions that the teacher is giving us? What about our ability to make a plan, to organize our thoughts, make decisions? How about our ability to be flexible in changing situations at school? And really back again to our self-control and not reacting impulsively to different situations. So it's really something that affects the little. We think about little preschoolers all the way up into those high school years and the skills and abilities that our high schoolers have or maybe don't have that is going to set them up for success or present a real struggle for them. Yeah. And these are such important life skills for adults to have. I know so many adults who don't really have the mental flexibility or the self-control or the ability to make executive decisions and pay attention without distraction. So to get started at such a young age is such a gift that we can give our kids. And I love that we're starting from, you know, as young as, I don't know, what what age do you think kids are able to really start developing social and emotional skills and executive functioning skills? 
Yeah, I think it really starts with the adults, the parents in their lives. We see that there is a need. We see that kids are struggling and we can conclude it's because they haven't had an example set for them. They don't have a role model or witnessing a parent who is using those calming strategies themselves. And so really our goal is to support adults, teachers, and educators just becoming more aware and using that type of language around little children. I am around little one to two years old and we, I incorporate, I'm intentional about the language that I use about our emotions, which we will get into in a little bit as well. And I just don't believe there's an age too young to start with these words, this dialogue, this curiosity about how we're feeling and where we might be feeling it. Yeah, I agree. The earlier the better. Early intervention is definitely key. So then what happens if we don't? If we don't intervene early and if they don't learn these vital life skills at an early age, how does that show up, especially in schools, in the classroom with kids? Yeah, so we know there's a need that is presented, and we see it in our schools and our classrooms every day, and this is what we're seeing. Students that are lacking self-control. There's been a massive campaign against bullying, and part of that is kids being in situations where they don't know how to self-regulate. They don't know how to use self-control. They don't know how to calm, and so that is a key component there. There's also inability to pay attention in class how much more we're seeing kids that need some other inputs to help them calm or to feel centered, to feel grounded. Kids might have difficulty in maintaining positive peer relationships. They might not even know what that looks like. And for older students, we're noticing there is a struggle in not being able to get their work done. Or maybe they're disorganized. Oh, I, I have an assignment due tomorrow. What do you mean tomorrow? Did you just learn about it? No, like two weeks ago, but I totally spaced it out. Or not remembering the basic teacher and Instruction. And so we're definitely seeing evidence of this, and this is the evidence that we're seeing that's showing us that kids really are struggling in their understanding of their emotions as well as their ability to self-regulate and to stay calm. And I will say those are not words in my teacher training that ever came up. We did not learn about how do you self-regulate as a teacher and be a great role model for your students. That was not. <laughs> <laughs> part of the conversation, but gratefully, Amanda, it is more and more, and, and teachers are wanting and needing that support, especially after the pandemic, and they want it not only for themselves, but also to be that really great role model for our students in the classroom. Right. Yeah, and that's something that I'm noticing is that they want these skills. The students want the skills. The teachers want the skills. And definitely when I was growing up, you know, that didn't happen. These were not things that were taught in school. And I was definitely that kid who was like, oh, no, I have an assignment due tomorrow. And we would stay up all night yeah. cutting and pasting and, and putting it all <laughs> together from being disorganized. So let's talk about what affects kids' ability to learn and develop these 
skills. So even if the teachers are learning how to teach these skills, what might prevent a student from really being able to absorb and implement and integrate them into their lives and into their learning? Yeah, that's a great question. So we talk a lot about adverse childhood experiences, which is also known as ACEs scores. People who work with people are probably familiar with this, and this might be new to others of you. What this generally includes are experiences that would be physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. Maybe there's physical neglect in the home or emotional. There might be a parent or a family member that is struggling with their own mental health. Divorce is more and more common these days. Or maybe there's some substance abuse within the home. Maybe there's a parent or a family member that's in jail. And when we talk about the score, we know that having any one of these increases the level of stress in our bodies. And that stress is actually toxic. All stress is toxic, of course, but this is a chronic. It doesn't go away. Their brains and their bodies are really stuck in that fight, flight, freeze, and fawn response. Their cortisol levels and adrenaline levels are so high on a daily basis. So the more and more I'm working with children and teenagers going into young adulthood, I am finding that they're trying to be in school and do meet expectations of their teachers or maybe their sports team. But the reality is, is that they are stuck in that stress response and their frontal brain is totally offline. They are just trying to survive, filled with all of these hormones of stress and cortisol and adrenaline. And as you know, Amanda, when we are just trying to survive, out the window goes our ability to learn, to make good decisions, and extremely important to not only know about these experiences that might our students or children might have, but also how we can support them through that. And we are so fortunate to have the School of EFT. Yeah, and it's really interesting that not only does it affect children and adolescents while they are children and adolescents, but they carry this toxic and chronic stress into adulthood. So as an EFT practitioner, I don't really work with children and adolescents, but I do because every adult client that I have, I'm working on nurturing the inner child, reparenting the inner child, helping the wounded inner child to find some type of closure, some type of healing so that then they can step outside of these programs and these stories that came from these adverse childhood events. So the fact that we can nip it in the bud, per se, at an earlier age means that we will have a more regulated adult population, perhaps less of a prison population, as we know so many of our prison population have really high A scores, really large amounts of adverse childhood events that led them into the prison system. So it's extremely important, as you said, that we intervene early and we go ahead and teach these kids how they can get out of that fight, flight, freeze, bond response and really start taking control of their own emotions and their stress levels. So the work that you do is 
just beyond important in this day and age, not only for the kids, but also for the adults that they will become. So really, really wonderful information here, Katie. Thank you. Love your point about working with the inner child during your practice as a EFT practitioner because I have found that like my passion is children and yet I'm kind of taking a little bit different route right now in my career and I'm working with adults but what I'm noticing is I really do get to work with their inner child during those sessions and it is such an honor and an encouragement that we have that within us and that little child just wants to be heard and learn the, the tools and strategies that they need to really feel better. Right. Yeah, and I kind of hold the belief that healing cannot start without self-compassion. And sometimes Mm -hmm. as adults, it's really difficult to give ourselves self-compassion. But when we start to really connect with the inner child inside of us, the wounded inner child, especially the one that's afraid of abandonment or afraid of rejection or afraid of failure, then it really allows us to cultivate a sense of self-compassion that then will lead to a more holistic sense of well-being and healing. So, yeah, I'm with you 100% on nurturing that inner child and really even giving that inner child the words to express their emotions and to express their needs because as adults who didn't get this type of early intervention and social and emotional development, we still don't know how. We might end up in our 70s still not knowing how to set emotional boundaries or express our emotions or our needs to our loved ones and we end up building resentment and repression which can lead to chronic illnesses and so I just cannot overemphasize how important it is for us to go ahead and talk to our children about the best ways for them to communicate their emotions. So, yeah, it's great work. So we have a commercial break that's coming up, but before we do that, we will talk about just how important it is to support our children's emotional needs and help our kids communicate their wants and needs calmly. And when we get back from the break, we'll be discussing how we can best teach parents and families how to do that because it's not just up to the school to be in charge of teaching our kids. It needs to be a full community approach. So Katie Michelson is joining us today to discuss how we can use EFT for children's social and emotional development. And when we come back from the break, we'll be giving really specific strategies for how parents and families can help do that. You can learn more about Katie at her website, which is EFT with Katie. That's K-A-T-I-E dot EFTWithKatie.com and stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the High Energy Health Podcast. My name is Amanda Wonderland, and I am speaking with Katie Michelson today, a clinical EFT practitioner and also educator who has so much information for how we can use EFT for children's social and emotional development. You can learn more about Katie at her website, which is eftwithkatie.com. And before we went to the break, we were discussing how we can use some strategies to help support our children's emotional needs and help them communicate their wants and needs calmly. So Katie, can you tell us a little bit more about what parents and families can do to help their children through this process? 
Absolutely. And as a reminder, it really does start with us as the adults. It is important for us to be intentional with the language, and we can start now, as we said earlier. No time is too soon. It's never too early to use words related to our emotions and how our body is feeling and different physical sensations. So some examples for you that I love using with children that I'd love to share with our listeners today. You are laughing. I can see you're feeling happy. (laughs) I see tears on your face. That must have really hurt when you fell. Noticing your hands are hitting. Your body is showing us it's frustrated and it isn't able to make positive choices right now. Let's take a break. When their body starts flailing around before bedtime, you might want to say, I see your body is having a hard time staying calm. It's showing us it's really tired and needs some rest. Or how about my stomach feels fluttery when I'm on a swing? Love it. Want to be intentional. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. We want to be intentional about our language and create opportunities to discuss our emotions, especially not during intense emotions, as you might guess. Uh, we <laughs> want to keep our wonder and our curiosity there. That is the beauty of working with children is that they're always curious. Sometimes we get a little overwhelmed with the why question all the time. And instead of trying to find an answer, we can say, I wonder, or let's get really curious. So creating opportunities to use these words, to narrate these words in your daily life. I feel happy when I see you. I feel happy when we read books together. I feel happy when we play catch. What are times that you feel happy? And really giving examples for the child and then also encouraging and supporting them with their creative ideas. Oh, I feel worried when, oh, the sky is dark and it's really, really windy. Loud noises make me feel worried. Or mom's leaving for work. Or I don't know the plan. Sometimes emotions are easy to see and sometimes they're not. So I also like to talk to children about where our emotions hide. I actually had an opportunity to be in a classroom this morning with a group of first and second graders. And the answer, the very first answer to that question was the facial expression of smile and frown. And the little one was just making a smile and making a frown. And that our emotions can hide on our face. And sometimes people can see that, but that is a great area. Other places that our emotions can hide. And I was talking to my friend's children, and I asked them questions, and here are some ideas that they came up with. They were eight and five at the time. Emotions hide in my heart, in my belly, in my face, in my hands, in my neck, in my jaw, in my legs, chest, and feet. And so when we talk to kids about this, we can also bring in the dialogue of, yeah, if our emotions are in our feet, what might we want to do? Oh, I want to kick that person, or I want to run away, or I want to yell, or I want to cover my face in a pillow. They really do have great input and insight if we just continue to stay curious and ask those questions. Other examples of, oh, it's in my hands, or my jaw feels tight butterflies in my stomach, or maybe my head feels confused. And so really providing that language and starting that dialogue is a really great place to start. 
Absolutely. I love that it's about meeting them where they're at, meeting them in their purity, in their innocence, in their wonder, because that's what we all love about kids anyway. We don't want them to have to grow up too soon. We don't want them to have to get into these intense emotional triggers. We want to maintain that wonder as much as possible and give them language that works for them. So yeah, when I work with inner children, we do our very best to not speak to them and these big, un, not understandable words for them, but to really meet them where they're at. And I think it's so important for parents and family members and community and teachers to also do their own emotional regulation work so that they don't get triggered by kids' emotions, so that they can just hold a neutral space for a kid who may feel anger in their feet and wants to kick, for parents to be able to say, I see that that's what you're feeling right now instead of don't kick or even worse, kicking them back. You know, I've seen that happen so often where a parent will say, don't hit, and then hits their child as they're saying that. And, and what kind of message are we giving our kids there? We're meeting them where they're at in a really unhealthy way instead of being the adult in the situation and maintaining that sense of wonder and curiosity and giving them the language to express instead of feeling the need to actually do the kicking, but to just acknowledge that they feel the anger in their feet. You know, I love that. I think that's really, really wonderful practical application of these skills for parents to take into their homes and into their daily lives. Speaking of that, let's talk about how parents can do that. Do you have any advice or any skills that you can give to parents on how they themselves can stay regulated in the midst of intense emotions from their kids? Absolutely, and I actually wrote up this little chart for the kids, and I'm like, oh, this, we can learn from this as well. As the adults, as the parents or caretakers or educators, one thing we want to do is slow down instead of that fast reaction, impulsivity, just remember we can slow down. And one way I love to encourage that is just by breathing. We can give our kids the example of we're going to breathe in for five and out for five and not just telling them, doing it with them as well, being the model, especially if you find yourself in that situation. Narrate exactly what's happening. I'm feeling overwhelmed right now, and I don't know how to make this choice. I'm going to take some time to breathe. And often we know as well, breathing is without words, and if a child is escalating, a parent might also be triggered and want to escalate. And what a great strategy for both of you. Instead of having that fast reactive, don't hit, and, and maybe flicking their child, they can say, model that breathing in and out for them, calming both you as the adult so you have a little break and you can approach it in a calm way, and it's also going to help them get out of that instant fight or flight as well. Another thing I like to say is let it out. Let's talk about our emotions. Let's recognize them, and they are there, and it's important to see them. And then, as you know, we're going to start happening and when we come back we'll be able to talk more about that as well. I love it. These are such great 
tools. I hope that you listeners are writing down these really effective strategies for how you can help support your children along this journey. And we are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will be talking a bit more about how EFT and tapping can really help your kids to feel regulated when they're feeling emotionally charged and also yourself. As Katie has said numerous times, you are the model and it all starts with you. So really great information, Katie. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have you here. You guys can find out more about Katie at her website, which is eftwithkatie.com. That's K-A-T-I-E dot com. Stay tuned. We'll be back after a short commercial break. Hello, and welcome back to the High Energy Health Podcast. My name is Amanda Wonderland, and I am delighted to be in conversation with Katie Michelson today. Katie is a clinical EFT practitioner and an educator, and she is giving us so many wonderful strategies for how you can help support your children in their social and emotional development and also in their executive functioning skills. So, Katie, I know that we share a passion for EFT, emotional freedom techniques, one of our favorite strategies for helping to regulate emotions. So, can you give us some more information for how you can use EFT with your kids and how it can help them to really put words to their emotions and learn how to calm themselves? Yeah, so we want to model the tapping points for our children. They, even if they're too young or maybe they're not really interested at that point in time, they are still going to have the benefit of watching you and learning those different points that can help calm their body. So as we were talking about what do I do instead of fast reacting or holding my breath or holding it in or just doing nothing, doing nothing and feeling stuck is not a very great place to be. So we want to encourage our kids to start the process of tapping. Now, keep in mind that some kids don't mind tapping and some kids might prefer the touch and breathe. So either is great. Ultimately, we just want them to take the time to calm down. So as a reminder, when we are tapping, we are calming that amygdala. We're calming that fight, flight, freeze, fun response in our body. And what happens when we have calm brains? When we have calm brains, we have less stress signals, which results in lower cortisol levels. And that itself has a positive impact on our brains, our ability to make positive and healthy choices, as well as learning. So, When we talk about tapping and how it can be beneficial in our home, we want to have a peaceful, calm home for sure. Think about it for schools and in the education system. We think about the ability to increase the child's memory, preparing and prepping them for learning. And because they have that calmness in their brain and their body, they have stronger memory skills, better Mm -hmm. self-control, and ability to not only build relationships, but with that social-emotional awareness, they can be aware of other people's behaviors and have a more compassionate or insightful mindset towards other kids that might be struggling in the classroom. So 
I feel like this is such a great recipe for student success. I really do hope in the near future it's in more and more and more classrooms, and I think we are definitely making gains to see that happening. So one of the reasons I really appreciate and I really love to share about EFT and tapping is because it is a self-help tool. There are definitely times and circumstances, moments that we want to reach out to a certified practitioner for the support that we need. There's also times where we just might be able to use this technique all on our own in a moment before a test for a student or how about before a game? We're hearing more and more about implementing this as well. And I love that it's a tool for the students to use. One of our jobs as educators is to give and provide and help students gain information. And this is a strategy, a tool that they can learn. And when they need it, they can use it. So I'm seeing that it's really making a positive impact on their abilities to make decisions. It's showing us their reactions maybe aren't, they're slower, they're not fast reacting to things, making poor choices or maybe bullying or hitting. And they are being able to approach situations that are out of their control in a calmer way. And this is such an important part because so many kids are coming to school with burdens that are out of their control. And they can use this tool to say, even though this feels out of control right here and right now, I'm still accepting myself. So I feel like it's such an empowering tool that really helps these students to be in control of their emotions instead of their emotions being in control of them. I think that would be encouraging for any educator as well as any parent to to really provide a tool for children to feel that they are in control and they are not being controlled by those highs and those lows, those roller coasters of emotions. And I do want to share, um, Dr. Carolyn Lee says in her book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, that the feeling of being in control of life and emotions can improve self-regulation and actual mental and physical health. So just Mm -hmm. the feeling of being in control contributes to that increased quality of life. And that's really what we want for our students. I had an opportunity to work with some students in an alternative learning program this spring, and we had such great results. We noticed that the children reported a 45% relief in their symptoms of the stress or the anxiety of the situation that they were currently facing. And when we think about that impact, which is almost feeling half better, their ability to go back into the classroom ready to learn has just magnified. And we want to create that for all students so that they are ready to go back in the classroom. They are ready to learn and use those higher level thinking that executive functioning skills because of that awareness of their own feelings. And as you know, Amanda, when we are tapping, we have this incredible ability to gain insight and compassion for other people as well. And so sometimes that anger, that frustration, or I, you, I hit you because you did it. You made me mad. Just being, taking back that 
control by being that self-aware of like, I hit you because I was feeling really frustrated and I didn't know what else to do to express Mm. that frustration. So we're really seeing that there's evidence that is showing that teaching kids this technique to use not only one-on-one, but on their own. These students also reported that, oh, I used this um, before I had a tough conversation with one of my parents or I had to talk to a teacher about not having my assignment done and I was really nervous, but I just held on those tapping points and and I knew I was going to be okay. So it's so encouraging to hear their personal stories about how it's benefiting them as well. Yeah. I love that. And I know that the Tapping Solution has a volunteer organization that also sends people in after these tragedies like Sandy Hook and school shootings and after the hurricanes in Haiti and after Rwandan genocide to really help kids process these traumas in real time. And they've had great success with helping alchemize these traumas before they actually become energetic blockages in the bodies of these children. These children are experiencing things that we can't even fathom and knowing that we can send tapping in to be such a quick and effective, fast-acting and long-lasting intervention is just such a gift that we can go ahead and, as I said, just nip it in the bud before it becomes a lifelong problem, before they become adults with this repressed trauma. We can go ahead and start sorting it out through tapping. So it truly is a gift that our kids in this generation are getting exposure to this. And as you said, before a test, before a game, you know, before a performance, before a choir recital or a band performance, I remember the stress of about to get on stage and, and what that felt like. And I didn't have any tools. I didn't breathe. I didn't have anything. I just had to go out and do it. So it's amazing that we are giving the power back to our kids. We are giving them this sense of control that they are in charge of their amygdala, the stress response. It's absolutely beautiful. So before we go to our next break, I just wanted you to cover the touch and breathe technique that you spoke about and maybe let us know how we can use that with babies. Can you tell us about touch and breathe? Yeah. So what I found, especially in my high schoolers I've worked with, is the tapping is actually a little too much for them, and they prefer. So the, the tapping points that we talk about, instead of the tapping, just holding on those different points of the body and breathing. And sometimes children might shy away from that earth side of eye, but you'll notice as you keep going through those points, there is a physical release of tension and stress on their bodies um, just by holding that spot for them and supporting them in that way, which you can also do with infants that are struggling, that are maybe tired or they're having some cramping going on and just helping Mm. that body shift and move, the energy in their body shift and move. I love that. Thank you so much, Katie, for that tip. Okay, we're going to take a little break, and you guys can find out more about Katie at ESTWithKatie.com, K-A-T-I-E. We'll be back in just a moment. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the High Energy Health Podcast. My name is Amanda Wonderland, and we are in conversation today with Katie Michelson. Katie is a clinical EFT practitioner who works with children using tapping as they learn social and emotional development and executive functioning skills. And Katie has been sharing with us so many wonderful tips and strategies for how parents, community members, family members, and teachers can really help support their children's learning. And for the last segment of this show, I would love to to learn a bit more about another population that Katie serves. Katie, I know that you have a passion for military service members and veterans. So what can you tell us about that, how it inspired you to organize your practice and how it's showing up in your career these days? Yeah, so I do not serve in the military. I do have grandfathers who did and uncles, and I really didn't see that they had the mental health support that they needed. And I've been curious about how that's impacted myself, my family line, and I really wanted to support and serve military members and their families. So I know that not only do we have the issue and experience that soldiers are being deployed, but we also have family members that are staying home. And that gets really difficult. That adds a lot of pressure and stress on the spouse that's at home, the children that are at home, the older children. And if you have a family of three, maybe that older child takes on more responsibilities as well. And I want to be able to support not only the spouses, but especially the children, as that's my passion. And you know what? They're parents of the deployed members need support as well. There's always that concern for their personal safety and protection, and there's times where communication is limited, and it can be extremely stressful for all members of the family. So I want to support them. In addition to some military branches are in one location and they can stay. In other branches of our military, the military members get a permanent change of station every couple of years. And what this is doing to families is that they are uprooting after only maybe three or four years in a community. They're finding new homes and schools and health care options for their children. And this can be such a burden. So I really want to support families through those transitions as well. And I really feel that EFT is such a great tool. Again, staying calm, even when we're not in control of all our circumstances and situations, we can still stay calm and, and help our body to regulate. Getting back to the veterans, I really want to support them during their time of deployment as well as when they return. There is something called the integration, the reintegrating back into their homes, their communities and their families after being in some really difficult situations with difficult experiences and how do we help them to reintegrate back into the family home. Many of our veterans do come back with symptoms of PTSD. They might have increased irritability or angry outbursts towards the spouse or the children. They might experience excessive fear or worry, concern, more headaches and fatigue are common symptoms of PTSD and overall sense of depression or problems sleeping. And so we really want to serve 
as a way to show our gratitude to serve our service members and helping them to relieve these these symptoms and using EFT to really decrease them. And we know that studies have shown that 86% of veterans who have used this technique have experienced a reduction of their symptoms. And after three months and six months, that is staying consistent. Their symptoms are not returning. And it is such an honor to share this technique with the veterans to alleviate these symptoms and really increase their quality of life, which then increases the quality of life of their family unit, their spouses, and their children as well. Absolutely. I don't know of any other intervention that gets that type of response. That's 86% experience a reduction in their symptoms of PTSD, and that lasts. It's sustained, it's sustained over time. Like what an effective, effective tool, evidence-based and effective. So it's really, really wonderful that you're able to bring that to the military service members and also to veterans. So if people wanted to get involved in helping you support veterans using EFT and perhaps other modalities, how would you best suggest them to do that? Yes, we have a great website available, veteransstresssolution.com, that provides services for not only veterans, but their families as well. And there's different modalities that are available, ESD, I think there's some hypnotherapy, EMDR, different practices that can give veterans an idea of how to support their own mental health needs. And I was just on their website earlier, and we know that we've served and helped over 22,000 military members and their family. It's such a wonderful resource, a great place for people to get started. If you or a loved one does need support, if that is not you but you still want to get involved, we appreciate any type of donation that you'd be willing to share to continue this project. Our practitioners are there on a volunteer basis. We, It's an honor to serve and support the mental health of these military members. And Amanda, if I can share with you a new project that we've been working on with EFT Universe related to the Ukrainian people and military members. Yes. I was coming back from a trip a couple months ago, and I noticed that there was a great support and welcoming of some Ukrainian soldiers at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport, and I had to Google it. I was like, what is going on here, and how can I help? And I noticed that there's a foundation here in Minnesota that helps military members who have had amputations to get fitted with prosthetics. And I was so curious on how I could get involved. And I sent an email to Miriam at EFTU, and I said, hey, I was in a workshop with you, and Dawson was there, and he mentioned wanting to get some resources available to the Ukrainian people. What's the status? I want an update. (laughs) And I heard back from her that it was dream and a vision to get the EFT into the hands of professionals already working with the Ukrainian people. How can we get our tools into their hands in their own language? And so I have had the honor of helping to coordinate that project of getting our energy, trauma, and healing course translated. And I'm excited to share that we're also going to soon be offering this coursework workshop to the Ukrainian people in the Ukrainian language as an additional tool that they can use to support their people who are hurting immensely. That is 
so amazing, Katie. So amazing. I just can't even tell you how important the work that you do is to our world at large. And I absolutely just love your soul. You have a heart of gold. Thank you so much for sharing these strategies for how to work with our children and also how to support our military service members and veterans. You've given us so much information to digest and to integrate into our lives, and I'm so grateful to have you on the show today. You guys can find out more about Katie at her website, which is eftwithkatie.com. It's K-A-T-I-E.com. And if you want to help in any way with the Ukrainian project or if you'd like to learn anything more about her services with children or with veterans and military service members, you can reach Katie at her Gmail address address, which is eftwithkatie at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you, Katie, for being here with me today. It's been such a joy to speak with you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Amanda. Absolutely. And thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the High Energy Health Podcast. Do your very best to stay actively engaged in being inspired. See you next time.